You are listening to the Progress Your Health Podcast, Episode 31. Welcome to the Progress Your Health Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progressive Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Uh, so hopefully everyone is off to a great start in 2018. Uh, we were doing some podcast planning, some uh, brainstorming, you know, different topics to talk about based on patients and feedback and questions. And of course, fatigue came up. It comes up all the time, probably the number one. And I think statistically, it is the number one symptom uh, or reason as to why people go to the doctor. Um, but we very soon realize actually how complicated fatigue really is as a symptom and trying to fix that problem for people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, patients that come through my door at the very top of their list, you know, or at least in the top three is fatigue or lack of energy. That's the, like I would say, probably one of the number one reasons why people come through the door is they're tired. But like Dr. Mackey was saying, when we started kind of talking about this, um, fatigue is such a big umbrella term for so many, you know, we kind of talked about the different reasons for fatigue, how people experience it, that it's, you know, it's very, in some ways it's very vague, but it's also very complicated. So, you know, in this episode, we're going to kind of keep things, you know, maybe to a list, we're going to kind of talk about fatigue and a list of why people might be tired. But, it, you know, if we went into you know, everything, we'd be here all day and probably tomorrow. So we're going to um, split this up into maybe a two or three part episode, you know, three part episodes for fatigue. So we can kind of talk about um, also tips and tricks so that we can feel better and, you know, na natural ways without medication to help your energy so that we can, you know, get this new year going. Uh, so uh, a couple of, like you said, fatigue is not just fatigue, right? You go to the, your internist, you go to your GP, your general practitioner, your primary care, and fatigue is just fatigue. You're tired, you're tired, black and white. Uh, we see uh, a few different patterns of fatigue. Uh, there's early morning, can't get out of bed fatigue, the chronic snooze button, uh, you know, type of person. It takes a lot to kind of get the, you know, to kind of wipe the cobwebs out and get going for the day. Um, that's something that a lot of people experience. And it, and it's funny, um, that's, that is really common, you know, people, they're, more awake at night, but then, you know, so it's hard for them to go to sleep. And then they do go to sleep. They sleep all night, but they don't feel rested when they wake up. They in fact feel un very unrested. Like Dr. Mackey said, either pressing snooze. I have lots of patients. I t I'll ask them, when do you have to be at work? At eight. And I'll say, well, when do you get to work? At nine. So, you know, cause they're tired. So that's a huge population. But I think, um, what also people don't realize is there's a lot of people and myself, you know, I can put myself into this group that have lots of energy in the morning. In fact, it's almost annoying to other people, but then come the afternoon, that's when they have their dive. So that's another part that we see with people with lack of energy is that afternoon fatigue. 
Yes, very commonly you'll see this, you know, right after, usually with a half an hour to an hour and a half after lunch, uh, somewhere between, let's say, 1.30 and 5.30 or 1.30 and 4.30, uh, you'll see this significant energy crash that happens. Uh, we call that the Thanksgiving effect, or we've at least alluded to that in the past, uh, and that is another kind of manifestation of this fatigue. Uh, now, and that means something fairly specific. We'll talk more about that on the next episode. Uh, but that's another way that it shows up. Uh, another uh, kind of symptom, if you want to call it that, or way that people verbalize uh, the way they feel is they'll they'll explain of uh, feeling wired and tired. The, the brain is active, but the body's exhausted. Um, that is also kind of another manifestation. Now, honestly, all three of those could be present in the same person, right? These are not necessarily separate. And then a lot of times, all three of those are present in the same person, uh, as opposed to just, you know, fatigue being fatigue. Uh, so, and that gives a, at least a, a short overview of the different types. Uh, and then now we're going to go into a little bit more of a list of, you know, some other possibilities that either contribute to those types of manifestations or just fatigue in general. Yeah. And, and like, just to kind of step back for a quick second, um, very few people, I would say, have all day fatigue. There's usually some kind of, con you know, concept of either it's the morning, the afternoon, or the evenings. You know, I have people that tell me, you know, they come home from work and they're done and you know you got to have life after work. So there's lots of different types of fatigue and and when we're talking about fatigue um, there's also the wired tired, there's the sleepy fatigue. There we're not talking about people that might have more of a serious medical condition. I mean these are people that still are functional, they go to work, they you know they're their fatigue is coming from non-serious medical conditions as opposed to, you know, somebody with a serious medical condition, you definitely want to get your, you know, your internist, your GP, your primary care physician to, you know, to delve into that and to diagnose and to differentiate and make sure it's not something serious. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and let's say hypothetically you go through that process, which we know that a lot of our own patients have gone through that process and knock on wood, there's nothing seriously that has shown up. Your internist or your general practitioner or primary care or even specialists for that matter are very good diagnosticians. Usually most of the time, if there is a diagnosis for them to find, they will find it uh, through the blood testing, through imaging, through, you know, whatever the uh, diagnostic criteria might be. If there is a diagnosis, let's say something serious like a cancer or an immune system problem or something along those lines, uh, they will, you know, uh, lo and behold, they will find it. Uh, but if they don't find something like that, that's good news, right? That's very positive that there's not a diagnosable condition. That's where, you know, that's where they kind of fall off a little bit, right? At, at that point, they've, uh, you know, they've kind of ran out of options and they're really medication wise there's and treatment wise, there's really not a lot of possibilities. And that's when we kind of step in. That's when people make it to our door because we're looking at it from a little bit, of course, from a little bit more of a holistic perspective uh, and looking at all the interactions. That's the complex part. That's the part we're going to talk about on the next episode. Uh, so uh, at the top of the list, it has to be number one as being, you know, playing a role in this fatigue is food and the diet. Yeah, the amount of food you eat, the type of food you eat, when you eat your food, that has a huge impact on whether you're going to be tired or you're going to have lots of energy. And we're going to go into the next episode, because like I said, we could be here all day, on how food interacts with your hormones. You're going to talk about how it interacts with the pancreas and the insulin, your adrenal glands and your cortisol, your reproductive hormones, your thyroid hormones, um, your digestive system, your brain. We're going to talk about how food is probably a 
probably the most important, if not significant kind of, I guess you could say, quote unquote, medication that you can treat yourself. Yeah. I, and of course, you know, they, the cliche term or the, the proverb, you know, Hippocrates food is medicine, uh, you know, food be thy medicine. Um, you know, that is, is certainly kind of what we're talking about. That has to be kind of a foundational piece, complicated, but you know, food kind of, uh, can have an impact on fatigue in, in two main ways. One from an allergenicity, uh, you know, food is interacting with our digestive tract, which is an extension of our immune system, but also the glycemic load, right? The impact that it has on, uh, you know, food-related hormones, insulin, cortisol, glucagon, all those things. We're going to talk more about those later. Uh, the next one on the list, of course, has to be medications, right? There's very specific types of medications that can contribute to fatigue, uh, not to mention the overall number of prescriptions. If you're on significant number of medications, two or more, uh, sometimes just one, but certainly two or more, um, that can put a significant burden on your detoxification pathways in your liver, uh, and that can you know, certainly have an impact on your energy uh, day in and day out. And in our society, you know, most people are on a medication. I mean, if you ask, you know, out of 10 people, eight people are going to be on some kind of medication and it's probably, you know, helping them, you know, if it's a blood pressure medication or something that's, you know, helpful for them or something that's genetic, that's, that's fine. You know, medications, we're not abdicating, don't take medications, but just knowing that taking them possibly along with interaction with foods that you're eating, whatnot, can have that burden on the liver. And we always want to take that burden off of the liver. So medications just in general, regardless, even supplements can have a burden on your liver too. So it's all about, you know, trying to keep that burden down, but at the same time, just specific medications can actually cause people to be tired. Um, you know, beta blockers that are blood pressure medications can cause people to be a little bit more tired. Antidepressants can cause people to get tired. And of course, anti-anxiety medications can people, you know, sleeping, you know, they're, they're really tired if they take too much anti-anxiety medications. Uh, so yeah, I mean that list, we're not going to get into any of the specifics, but that is, you know, those are some of the most commonly prescribed medications across the board already anyways. Uh, so it's not only the type of the medication, but it's the, you know, as we said, it's the overall, overall amount. Uh, another thing that would have to be talked about is the consumption of caffeine and alcohol. Uh, caffeine specifically because of the effect that it has on the liver. Uh, it takes a long time for the liver to, to detoxify caffeine, uh, not to mention caffeine has an impact on adrenal function and cortisol. And it also, it you know, technically caffeine is a central nervous stimulant, right? So it's having an impact on the brain. Uh, and the more stimulation you create like that, or the more stimulation you're exposed to, the worse you feel over time. Uh, and caffeine is, you know, probably the most uh, consumed substance on the planet in some respects, if you want to call it or con consider it to be a drug. Uh, and, uh, you know, usually people, their caffeine consumption increases over time to, to give them the same desired effect that they've had previously. And that's where it gets into a little bit of a slippery slope. So yeah, caffeine definitely isn't is hard on the system and there in so many different ways, which we can definitely talk about in the next episode. But we don't want you know, it is hard to tell people to stop drinking their coffee. I mean, we moved here to just outside of Seattle and everybody knows Seattle is like the, you know, the connoisseur of coffee of like probably the nation, if not the world. So I think if we told people not to drink coffee, we'd be hiding in our house right now with people coming at us with pitchforks because they don't want to give up their coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think everyone or most everyone, uh, the people that are really sensitive to caffeine and maybe alcohol for that matter, which... Uh, you know, is something that we do, do hear quite often. Usually they know that and they avoid it because they just can't tolerate. 
Uh, and then other people, they just consume it. And then again, it, most people keep it to, you know, simple one cup a day, no problem. It's kind of their morning ritual or morning ceremony. But then others, they, you know, when they start getting tired, they start consuming more. And maybe there's two cups in the morning. Maybe there's a cup in the afternoon when that energy drops. And that's where it starts to compound and create more problems. Or they're combining it with foods that are also putting burden on the liver, like, you know, excessive amounts of sugar, you know, a couple of donuts and some couple of cups of coffee may not be, you know, the best thing to have every day if you're looking at energy or even weight gain or weight loss. So, so we're later, you know, like I said, this is going to be two-part series, if not maybe even a three-part series and kind of giving you some, some tricks and some ideas and some ways to kind of develop where you can kind of work around this. Cause we, you know, we live in, you know, the world we live in, we're going to have an impact on our liver. We're going to have an impact on our metabolism, just have an impact on our energy. So we'll, we'll definitely get into tips on how to kind of strategize around that. Uh, so another one that we see uh, quite often, of course, we work with predominantly a female population is anemia. Uh, anemia is, uh, you know, a blood issue, right? You don't have enough, uh, not necessarily enough blood, but your certain parameters on what they call a, comp uh, excuse me, a complete blood count, you know, CBC. Um, it's very easy to see if someone's anemic or not. Uh, and, you know, like I said, very common in menstruating women, women that are having a regular period, uh, maybe it's like, excessive or they're, you know, having some issues there over time that could make them anemic. Yeah, they're, they're bleeding too much on their, you know, their monthly period and they don't make up enough iron intake dietarily to make up for that, that blood loss. And then they have another period, you know, 28 days later. So that'll contribute to more of a low hemoglobin hematocrit. You don't normally, normally see the low red blood cells, but also too, um, you know, which isn't a bad dietary idea, but being vegetarian or vegan, you sometimes, and you're a menstruating female can really compound, you know, that, that anemia. So definitely, you know, checking into that. Usually primary, your primary care physician would have screened you for anemia and said, if you do or you don't, but we see it all the time and that's very easily treatable. But at the same time, anemia is a symptom. We want to go back to what the cause is, which we will get into later. Uh, so another one we uh, kind of alluded to when we were talking about the different types of fatigue is insomnia, right? So uh, people that are you know having trouble falling asleep, trouble staying asleep, they're tossing and turning all night, they're waking up multiple times, of course it's going to manifest as being tired during the day. Uh, you know, it's amazing on how many people we talk to that have some type of sleep deprivation, but yet they still have to take care of their family and they still have to work full time and they still have a million things to do. Uh, and sometimes they're exercising on top of that. You know, you're going to be, eventually you're going to be tired. There's just not enough replenishment that's happening on a perpetual basis. Uh, and you know, that's just going to kind of wear people out and they're, they're going to, uh, their energy is going to suffer as a result. Yeah, no, the insomnia that, you know, that can be related to hormones in specifically, but we also um, talked, you know, we have a couple of podcasts before this one that talks about falling, you know, trouble falling asleep, trouble staying asleep. So we have some, some tidbits on that because that I think probably comes down to number one. If you're not sleeping well, eventually you're not going to feel well during the day. So, so good proper sleep is like at the top of the chart. Uh, another next thing on the list, of course, this one, and we're kind of lumping a bunch of things together, but you know, I would say kind of immune system problems, autoimmune disease, cancer, uh, maybe infections, uh, chronic virus infections, bacterial, fungal infections, all those things can make you tired in some way, shape or form. I know we're kind of lumping a bunch of stuff into one category there. Uh, but again, also those are the, that's the category that your doctor should be able to help you diagnose those. 
uh, if there if one of those things is present. Um, still, certainly needs to be on the list because any one of those, and even the treatments for some of those diseases, if you already have those diseases, the treatments for them, whether it's chemo, whether it's uh, some of the autoimmune medications, anything like that, that can also make you tired. But that also goes back to the first thing on the list, which was medication. Uh, you know, so that one, you know, certainly can be a significant one. Uh, now. We mentioned this in a couple of different ways. The insomnia, you know, certainly that has a hormonal implication, but then the stress that people have on a regular basis, you know, that could also probably be at the top of the list with the food. Oh, yes. Yeah. Stress, of course, when people people come in, I think that the triad is their complaints are they're tired, right? They're fatigued. They don't have any energy. They're really stressed out and they're gaining weight. And then, you know, then it's just a domino effect coming from, you know, coming from that triad. So that's probably the most common. We'll, we'll definitely go into stress and the adrenals and how, you know, how that affects the adrenal glands, which then manifests, like we talked about earlier, and a whole lot of more complicated issues there. But definitely stress is at the top of the list. Now, granted, we all can't go on permanent vacation and then the stress is gone, whether you have good stress or bad stress, but working around that is, you know, we'll, we'll definitely get you some tips on that. And something that we talk about, of course, quite a bit, uh, especially when you see that afternoon fatigue and the, you know, between that 1.30 and 4.30 or the 2 and 5, uh, is what we kind of refer to as the blood sugar insulin roller coaster. You know, you eat something, your blood sugar goes up, your insulin goes up, and then it crashes. And it goes, you eat something again, it goes up, and then it crashes. And it goes up and down and up and down. Uh, and that kind of, you know, that pattern is something very common. And, uh, you know, people are experiencing that on a day-to-day basis. That's the one of the things we're going to talk about in the next episode on where food can have a huge impact on that, on that you know, a very, very common and very habitual pattern that people uh, play out on a day-to-day basis. And one thing, you know, granted you're, you know, this is probably another completely other um, podcast or another huge topic, but what can cause fatigue is depression and anxiety. Like, of course, you know, depression causes a lot of fatigue, but actually anxiety causes fatigue too, because I think being anxious all the time is exhausting. Yeah, right. Without kind of diving into that again, but going back to stress, anxiety is kind of another form of stress uh, that is turning into that anxiety that people feel is turning into a hormonal response. And again, your requirements for all those hormones go up and there's going to be kind of a decrease in function productivity uh, and how well your brain works. All those things is going to kind of manifest. So, you know, absolutely uh, anxiety and depression are going to play a role there. Uh, now, of course, when we're talking energy, we have to talk about thyroid function, right? Uh, thyroid is a very, very important. Again, probably one of the t- main components of being hypothyroid is certainly uh, energy and you know people complaining of fatigue. No, yeah, hypothyroid, whether it's genetic or stress or whatnot or Hashimoto's, it makes people tired. In fact, um, just a, a patient I had emailed me maybe it was about a month ago, she had thyroid cancer. So her thyroid has been removed for the last 20 years and her endocrinologist has her on Synthroid and she's been doing really good. And she all of a sudden got extremely tired and her um, internist, endocrinologist kind of went down the rabbit's hole saying that it's her immune function and that she might be immune deficient and checking her for HIV and all these immunoglobulins. And it showed up that there was one immunoglobulin that was a little off. But then I looked at the list and I said, your TSH went, when someone has thyroid cancer, you want to keep a TSH, a thyroid stimulating hormone, like less than one. Because the lower the TSH, the higher the thyroid function, her TSH went from less than one to 12. And she thought she was dying. Like she said, something's wrong with my immune system. I think I've got immune compromise. I need to 
quit my job. And then I then she went back to her endocrinologist. He raised up somehow inadvertently he had dropped her thyroid, which is why it went up to her TSH went so high. And then he went she went back to her original thyroid dose and she feels great. Yeah. And uh, certainly that uh, it's kind of funny how they automatically looked at that and kind of ignored the original issue and then tried to create something else. But then, you know, like I say, you looked at the numbers and it's like, uh, obviously something shifted there. And why that happened in a case like that, why it went from less than one to 12, who knows? He Stress- the medication dose got inadvertently changed and she didn't realize it till later. And then she went back and they ch- corrected it. And she went from feeling literally like she's going to have to quit her job, um, figure out what's going on with her immune system. She thinks she's going to die to actually feel pretty good now. Yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, that's a, a nice happy ending to a, you know, a kind of a confusing situation. Why was it reduced? You know, sometimes uh, endocrinologists, certainly they look at a TSH number, which we've talked about on a few other episodes and they will lower doses. Uh, but then obviously, like I said, it's like pulling the rug out from a underneath people sometimes. Uh, So I think everyone is fairly aware, especially if you already have a thyroid problem, uh, you know, that that is going to be huge on your, uh, you know, on your energy levels. However, we'll talk about in the next episode and how the other things we're going to talk about in the next episode impacts the thyroid. Sometimes the thyroid kind of gets caught in the middle uh, and it is a indirect response to this, you know, bigger issue or this bigger interaction, or at least just part of the interaction. Uh, Now, we talked about liver uh, already in uh, context of the medication, uh, certainly in the context of caffeine and alcohol, and also the interaction between the pancreas, which is where your insulin comes from, and your liver. So in some ways, what we're talking about... uh, all roads lead back to the liver in some respects. All roads lead back to the pancreas. All roads lead back to your adrenals. All roads lead back to your brain um, that determine your energy level on a day-to-day basis. And we can't we can't leave out the um, the gut, your digestive system. The gut microbiome is kind of the new you know new fancy word in town is is working on that digestive system. And a lot of people you know we've talked about leaky gut. We've talked about you know small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, SIBO. I think those are super important to contributing to someone to being tired, their immune functions off. I mean, that that can have a whole cascade of symptoms. But in some respects, that gut microbiome or that digestive system, the gut, is a little bit um, more, I wouldn't call it a symptom, but in some ways, because it's a consequence of the outside environment. I mean, you can change your gut microbiome by changing your environment. More in particular, as we go back to, is food. Yeah, right. And that uh, and that's why it has to be kind of, uh, you know, a, a foundational aspect. Again, one, to reduce the allergenicity, which is going to have a huge impact on immune function and lifting some of that burden. Because if you have a consistent uh, dietary habit that has some very specific allergens that are wheat, gluten, corn, soy, nuts, seeds, all those things and th- uh, that people are sensitive to, and, you know, just processed food in general – Immune system-wise, that's going to be like an anchor to your energy. And then, of course, like I mentioned earlier, the glycemic impact of that diet, um, that is going to you know, have that hormonal side, uh, and then that's where you get on that blood sugar insulin roller coaster, and that's also going to make you tired, either independently of each other or at the same time. And that's where, you, like you said, those two things kind of collectively turn into these GI problems over the, over the you know, whether it's IBS or SIBO or leaky gut or anything like that. Uh, or just dysbiosis in general, especially if you've had an antibiotic history. Now it's another thing compounding compounding the problem and making you feel terrible on a on a regular basis. 
Yeah, and 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 not to be negative, but I, you know, I have patients that take antibiotics for SIBO, and they take all these supplements for their gut microbiome. And really, I think you know those. It's not a bad thing to take supplements and try to treat your gut microbiome, but I do think you do need to at least in the beginning, is step back and start with the basics and start with the food. That you have control over. If anything, we have control over what we put in our mouths. I mean, there's a whole other story that goes on beyond that and the psychology and whatnot, but we do ultimately have that control. And then after you've worked on the food, then you can layer in some of the, you know, do we have some more bacteria we have to eradicate? Do we have some, you know, do we have to replenish certain bacteria or try to get rid of some yeast? But I do think it does, you know, in the beginning, you know, it's, you know, it's not the be all end all is to start with the food. Yeah. So we're going to kind of talk more about the food interactions with the different uh, organs and glands that we've talked about. Uh, You know, again, as we are running through the list, we're, you know, on purpose trying to not make it complicated, but we're hoping, hopefully making you realize that this is a really complicated thing. And fatigue is just not something simple that you can diagnose and then take a pill for, right? The only options medication wise really that, uh, you know, a internist or your primary care has is to give you some kind of a stimulant, you know, whether that, you know, uh, in the morning, whether that's your cup of coffee or that's like, you know, something that is an, literally an amphetamine, Ritalin, Adderall, Concerta. These are all some of the different, um, uh, adult ADHD medications that are sometimes prescribed for fatigue. But if you're already tired, uh, the last thing that you want to do is take a medication like that. Those are really not good ideas because you're already tired and that's, you know, maybe going to help in the, in the short term, but in the long term, it's going to, it's going to backfire uh, and sometimes in a big way. Yeah. And I understand when you don't feel good and you're tired and you're, you just give me anything, just, you know, I, I get it, I get it, but you do, you know, you do want to realize sometimes taking those medications, you want those to be the last case resort. I mean, you want to be, you know, we went down every rabbit's hole we could. I've tried everything and this is the only thing that works. Okay. Cause we got to live, we got to have life. But like I was like, when we were planning this episode, you know, we start going on tangents and talking about different things. As I was telling um, Dr. Mackey about a patient of mine who is, um, you know, she's uh, definitely you know, performance, you know, performance. She's into, you know, we would te- technically call her, you know, a, a, an athlete or she, you know, she's, um, you know, high in on the sports and makes a lot of money using her brain. And she came to see me right or, you know, 26 years old. I mean, she's young, but she had been performing and, you know, and in, in utilizing and, and making lots of money, you know, with her sport. And she was, you know, but she was on Adderall and she came to see me. She had her, um, her performance had gone down dramatically. She lost all her endorsements. She gained, she went from a size zero to, which is which all of us ladies know that is super tiny to basically a size 12. So she, then she lost all her endorsements. She started not doing well in her sport and losing. And then she couldn't understand what, what was going on. It was because she had been put on Adderall at 21 years old. That is not what you give a 21 year old. So sure, she might have accelerated with her sport in the beginning, but it ended up backfiring on her. And of course she thought it was all her thyroid. Granted, her thyroid was maybe a little bit a little bit off, but we ended up going around the circles when really it came down to the Adderall. Yeah. And unfortunately, that is a a type of medication that some people do abuse because it does give you the short-term boost of energy that you need. But just like your story, uh, it, you know, it has a consequence on the back end. So you have to be very careful with that kind of stuff, you know, over the long term. It is a short-term solution, is a short-term fix, but not a long-term solution by any means. Unfortunately, when you're on those things for too long, when you 
you know, there's no conventional way to go off them. You just stop them and then hopefully that you re, you rebound at some point. But that can be really challenging, especially, like I said, if you're having to perform or, you know, be productive and, you know, earn a living and do all these things, uh, you have no energy. How, how do you make that happen? Or your body becomes um, sort of immune to them or adapted to it. You know, one dose works great for a little while, but then all of a sudden I'm not feeling like I was. So time to raise up the dose, time to raise up the dose. And you only go, go as high before your body says, you know what? Um, I'm done with this. Same with fentramine. Fentramine's another one that takes people's appetites away and it's supposed to help you lose weight. I have lots of women on that come to see me on fentramine and they're gaining weight because it's not about their appetite. And then you try to get them off the fentramine and then they crash. You know, those medications really need to be handled with kid gloves. Yeah, right. Yeah. But unfortunately, as we are, uh, can, uh, we see these kinds of things on a regular basis and realize that you know, there's not a lot of options. And sometimes the worst options are the things that are led with. Uh, That's why we're talking about it, because those are just not good options. And there's other ways to look at these problems, as opposed to just putting this, you know, this very, very powerful medication in the mix, when you're already having a problem that that's a recipe for disaster in in almost every situation. Uh, So uh, hopefully this wasn't, uh, you know, too exhaustive. Hopefully everyone kind of followed through. Uh, again, we could talk about each one of those things as its own separate episode, and some of them we will definitely come back to in the future. We said food is most important. We're coming back to food is still being the most important. So you can visit uh, ProgressHealth.com, go to our content library. Uh, you can download the KCCP, which is the Keto Carb Cycling Program. Um, that is kind of our nutritional philosophy kind of, you know, condensed into uh, a document that will help get you, you know, on this path of having more energy. Uh, you know, when we have people rate their energy for us, you know, to quantify, you know, people are, you know, their energy is like between a two to four out of 10, right? They're functioning at a really decreased level. But with a little bit of help and support and a dietary component being a big part of that, you know, within a short time, their energy is at a six to a seven, or maybe ultimately it's between a six to an eight on a regular basis. Now they're productive and functional and, and actually have some enjoyment. They can actually, you know, kind of get that enhanced quality of life back on a regular basis. Yeah. Like, like we said, you know, this is a complicated topic, um, Everybody falls into a little bit of a different area when they're talking about fatigue. I mean, I have some women that exercise like crazy, but they say they're tired. And I have some patients that can't exercise because they are too tired. So, you know, everybody's a little bit different. It is complicated. We are going to go into a little bit more into depth of the biochemistry and how everything kind of kind of works together. But at the same time, if, to keep it simple, one of the easiest things you can do is go to our content library, download that KCCP. It It is, we intended it for weight loss. Cause like I said, the triad is stress, weight gain and fatigue, but by implementing it, it does kind of rebalance a lot of those metabolic hormones to not only help with energy, but also with weight loss too. So quick thing for you to read some food for thought, feel free to, you know, check it out. It's totally free in our content library. And then, you know, like Dr. Mackey said, who knows, you know, we're going to do this as maybe a two or three part series, but we'll definitely come back around and talk more about fatigue in the future too. Uh, So for until another episode, I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. So take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at ProgressYourHealth.com.